Now this week we are finishing out our series uh, on And God Created Woman, the, the great and not so great women of the Bible, with a, with a not so great woman, uh, with a not so good woman. She's not evil. Um, she is just tragic. Her, her story is, is one that could happen to any of us, honestly. Uh, and, and the problem I've always found in our, um, in our Scripture, we read this, this is one of probably the hardest events in the New Testament for us to process. You know, in the Old Testament, we see a God who, who, who takes vengeance, and he does these things, and he wipes out civilizations, and he does all this stuff. And, and as New Testament Christians, we look back and we go, whoa, how do we apply that? Well, this is one of those Scriptures in the New Testament, and you go, whoa, how do we apply that? Uh, and so, as we come to this text, we, we look, we're in the book of Acts, we're in the golden days of the church beginning. Um, we are directly after the days of, of Pentecost and the exponential growth that has been occurring in the church and believers just coming to faith, you know, hand over fist, that you see people just coming in and getting baptized and, and, and getting the Holy Spirit and all the things that are going on. They, the Bible even says they're of one mind, they're of one heart, they're sharing everything. They have... I don't know if I should say this or not, because they were literally living in a socialistic economy within the church, the church itself. Not that the entire empire was socialistic, but the church was a socialistic group that had come together to share all needs. This wasn't a, a political socialism, this was a spiritual socialism. So every need was always met. Welfare uh, would be unheard of in this society, because the church was taking care of its own. And so in the midst of that, we find our text this morning in Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And we find there, it says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds from the field? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead. And a great fear came on all who heard. The young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. There was an interval of about three hours, and then his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the field for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Instantly she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men came in, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church, and all who and all, all who heard these things. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel and the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said. It's one of those stories where I kind of want to go, What? 
we 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 live in a in a church society where we talk about forgiveness of the even the most grotesque sins that no one is beyond salvation. We say that quite a bit. And then we get to this story where they the text here says, and he dropped dead. He dropped dead. Fell. Gone. He was done. You know, the backstory here is we, we can't look at the woman without looking at her context. In the preceding chapter, right before this, we have uh, the generosity of all the believers. And Barnabas had sold a field and given all the money to the apostles. So he took what was his and gave it all to the apostles and said, here, use it for what you need to use it for. And so you have this backdrop of generosity. You have what is going on here. And many times we come to this text with assumptions and beliefs that, that may not be clearly indicated in the text. As I've grown up and as I've studied and as I've listened to people talk about this specific passage of Scripture, we come and we talk about the nature of sin and, and sin being punished and lying to the Spirit, and, and we don't talk about where it begins. We don't talk about how we got here. We don't talk about the envy, the pride, the greed, the dishonesty. But, but also, I hear people say sometimes, well, it was, it was wrong to keep the money. They shouldn't have kept the money. But that's not what the text says at all. The text doesn't go there. The text says something actually quite different. So to get here, we have to find out what's happening with both of these individuals, the man and his wife, before we can talk about just her. And the first thing that really stands out to me here is that even believers can be guilty of or wrapped up in blatant sin. I say that because they were counted among the believers. They were a part of the church. Peter would not consider them part of the church if they had not accepted Jesus and been baptized. They were considered a part of that assembly. So most of me looks at this and says, I would say these people are in heaven today. They probably got there a little quicker than they wanted to be there. But they're probably in heaven going, oh, now I know. Now I understand. Now I see. Because this is believers. It's not pointed out that they're not believers. Usually when we see someone who was not following Jesus, they say, oh, you know, they really... They were really of the devil. They were really, you know, Judas, he was really of the devil. You know, he was, he was the son of perdition. You know, they gave him all these names. But it says here that they knew the Holy Spirit, obviously. In, chapter, in verse 3, they lied to the Holy Spirit. I can't lie to someone that I don't know. You ever thought about that? Can you lie to someone you don't know? I mean, what's the use of lying to someone I don't know? Even if I just met them, I've, I've met them and I know them because they're right there. If they call me on the phone. How many of us have, uh, have lied to telemarketers? I mean, you know. At least you know them because you met them because they said, Hi, I'm Sandra from the auto warranty department. I want to talk to you about your auto warranty today. <laughs> I got one from a phone number in town this week from the auto warranty department, a 646 number. I picked it up and I went, Hello? I don't, I, oh, sorry. I don't need an auto warranty. That wasn't a lie. I told him the truth. But I knew her, so I could have lied to her. Because I knew her then. She told me what her name was. You can't lie to someone you don't know. These people knew who the Holy Spirit was. These people knew. If this is this idea of you can't know. You may see in the movie God's Not Dead. There's a scene in there where how he proves that God exists is because you really can't argue against somebody or be mad at somebody who doesn't exist. 
He was mad at God. I'm mad at God for what he did. Well, he didn't do anything if he doesn't exist. You can't lie to the Holy Spirit if you don't know the Holy Spirit. These people were believers. These people had a relationship with Jesus. Just because we know Jesus doesn't mean that sin can't ensnare us. That's a very important point for us to get. Because we have this tendency to sometimes believe that I know Jesus. So, my sins are forgiven anyway. He can't get me. The devil, the devil can't get me. The devil can't trap me. That's a, that's a very arrogant thing to think because the devil even tried to tempt Jesus. And if the devil even tried to tempt Jesus, I guarantee you he'll try to tempt you. We can be ensnared. Sin can capture us and drag us down and hold us and, and keep us hostage. We have people who struggle with sin, specific sins their entire life. I do. Have you looked at me lately? We all have sins we struggle with at times. And we can be ensnared by those sins and dragged down and held down. And we can't get past them. That's easy. People find themselves in it all the time. And if we walk around thinking we can't be ensnared, that's when it becomes dangerous. That's when it becomes dangerous. You know, Vice President Pence took a lot of heat in the past couple of years over the Billy Graham rule. And I have a lot of female friends in ministry who get very upset over the Billy Graham rule. But I try as hard as I can to follow some form of the Billy Graham rule. What's the Billy Graham rule? I try as hard as I can not to be in a room behind closed doors with any female alone that is not my wife or my daughter. I try very hard to make sure everything is above board so people can look and say, okay, because sin can ensnare you. There is a story about Billy Graham at a, at a revival, at a, at a, what do they call it, a crusade in Europe. And he was in a French hotel room and he had called ahead and he asked for a room with no TV. And they said, okay. Well, when he got there, there was a TV in his room. And he called down and he said, no, I asked for a room with no TV. And they said, we're sorry, sir. There are no rooms without any TVs. So he went to the hardwired into the wall TV, yanked it out of the wall, put it on the car in the hallway and said, please charge that to my personal account. Because he believed so strongly that he did not want that temptation in his room. Because what we are seeing now on TV in America is tame compared to what they're seeing in Europe 30 years ago. And so he did not want temptation in his room. We have to understand that as believers, we can be ensnared. We can be guilty of sin and wrapped up in blatant sin. And when believers and unbelievers see that, what do they think? They're no better than I am. So we have to be on guard against it. But the second thing I see here as, as Ananias walks up is, you can't hide your sin from God. Hmm. I try to keep everything in the dark so nobody knows. I keep my shades drawn and my, my blinds shut. If I'm going to do something wrong, it's going to be in the house so nobody sees about it. Guess what God sees? Peter's sitting there and he is so in tune with the Holy Spirit. Ananias walks up and says, Here, Peter, here's my gift to the church. This is what I made on that field. And the Holy Spirit told Peter, No, that's not what he made. That's not what he made. And Peter said, why are you lying? 
Why are you lying? You drop dead. You may fool everybody in your church, but you don't fool God. Ananias and Sapphira fooled the entire congregation, but not Peter. Peter knew because the Holy Spirit told him. Peter knew what they had done. And what they did on our level is one of those things where we go, that doesn't seem like such a bad thing, <laughs> right? He just kept some of the money that was his. That, that's, we, 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 we have a problem with that. Um, anybody watch, what's that show? Carry your show. Aunt Becky. When calls the heart. We know all of, the, all of the mess going on with that right now, right? Aunt Becky's going to prison in real life. What's her name? Rebecca? No. Lori Laughlin. Why? Because she paid someone to get her kid into school. What? There are child molesters walking the streets free. There are rapists and murderers walking the streets free. But Lori Laughlin's going to prison because she paid someone to get her kid into school. That blows my mind. And so when I read this, and, and, and I hear Peter say, why did you lie to God if the guy drops dead? It kind of freaks me out a little bit. I'll admit it. Because, I mean, what was he doing here? He was simply just trying to keep a little bit of the money. It wasn't like it was his tithe. He was just giving, he was just keeping, he might have been reverse tithing a little bit there. I'll keep 10%, I'll give you all 90 but he's still dead. Why? Because he lied to the Holy Spirit. Because he lied to God. You can't hide your sin from God. No matter what you do, you can look perfect. You can check every box on the Sunday school envelope. You can do all of those things. But if you're living in sin, God's going to know it. God's going to see it. So why did they die? That's hard. Why did they die? Because God's holiness never changes. It never changes. We are in a world that wants God's holiness to change, right? As long as I'm not hurting anybody else, what I do with my life, you can't call a sin. You can't judge me. It says so in the Bible. The most quoted verse in the Bible is, Judge not, lest thou shalt be judged. They don't keep going. They don't keep going. Because you'll be judged with the same measure that you've been judging. And then he says, do not cast your pearls before swine. What he says is, don't judge someone for a sin while you're living in sin yourself. He never said believers in the church shouldn't go to another believer and say, hey, you really shouldn't be doing that. He says, don't treat unbelievers as believers. He says, don't judge that way. We're called to keep each other accountable. But God's holiness never changes here. This, this was a very exciting time in the church. This would be like if tomorrow we had, or next tomorrow, y'all aren't going to be here tomorrow, so next Sunday, if we had 400 extra people show up who wanted to join the church. That's the kind of atmosphere that's going on here. They had more people than they knew what to do with. This was an exciting time. Things were happening. Miracles were occurring. They were healing the sick. They were raising the dead. They had all this money coming in. Everything was going on in all this. The church was living how the church is supposed to live. And then greed and deceit showed its ugly face. And God said, this is a time 
to show an example to stop this before it takes root. And they were gone. And that's just from Ananias. I hadn't even got to the woman yet. We don't know why she wasn't informed of her husband's death. I can't imagine what went through her head for three hours. Honey, I'm going to give the money to Peter. I'll be back. I have a, a wife, just one. I have a wife um, who is the world's worst about not checking her cell phone or hearing her cell phone. I even tied it to the house phone at one point, and she still won't pick it up. And so there are times that I'll be sitting around trying to get a hold of her, and the phone will ring and ring and ring. And finally, two and a half hours later, I'll get up and go home to ask her when lunch is, because she never answered the phone. And I'm thinking, oh no, what happened? Something happened. She can't, I can't get a hold of her. I've tried everything I can do. I sent Facebook messages. I sent text messages. I made phone calls. I called the house phone. I did everything I can do. I don't know where she's at. I can't imagine what Sapphira was going through. I'm going to take the money to Peter. I'll be back. And he walks away and she's sitting there at home and she starts going, she didn't have a cell phone. She didn't have a house phone. She's having to wait for her husband to come back and she's sitting there going, she's looking at her, her sundial and, and she's watching. It's been a while. I wonder where he's at. Huh. So finally, three hours later, she's like, um, I better go check on him. I have a feeling she walked in pretty timid, don't you think? Now, we don't know how the decision came about to lie about the money. We, we, don't, we don't know if maybe Sapphira went, Ananias, please don't, just give it all. We don't know what happened. We have no idea. But obviously, whether they talked about it before or she was simply backing her husband up, she made a decision to take part in this, in that moment when Peter asked her that question. Peter said to her, what's he say? Is this the price that you sold the field for? Yes, that's the price. And then she finds out her husband's dead. This is one of the most tragic characters in the entire Bible. She walks in wondering where her husband went. They had just basically sold everything they owned, and they kept a little bit of it to live off of, I guess, and they gave the rest of it to the apostles. And here she comes in, doesn't know her husband's dead. Is this what you paid? She's thinking, well, I better back my husband. That's, that's, that's what a wife usually does, right? She backs her husband. That's what we paid. Oh, Sapphira, the men who carried away your husband's body, they're going to come get yours too. Why did you do this? You know, when you know about evil, but don't stand against it, you're part of it. That's hard, right? Because we want to back our spouse. We're one flesh. I want to back my spouse. But if my spouse is doing something that's sinful, and I don't stand up, I'm just as guilty. 
That's just the truth. And it's tough and it's hard. Our problem in our society is she wasn't there. She wasn't there when her husband made the claim. She wasn't there when he said this was it. If she agreed before she left, before he left, she did evil. If she simply agreed because she didn't want to go against him, she did evil. So many times we know about wrong things and we don't stand against it. That just helps it along the way. That just helps it to keep being done. It's one of the reasons why we have um, mandatory reporting laws. Is because if, if we know about an evil and we don't report it, we take part in it. And, and you know, I talked about not doing pandemic math last week in seminary. They didn't talk about this in seminary, but they need to. Mandatory reporting laws. We're required, if we know, to report stuff. We're required to tell the authorities. We, we have to. Because if they don't, and it comes back, we're in trouble. But beyond that, if we know, and we don't stand up for it, we have failed the victim. We have failed that person. But if we are living in sin and doing something, and we just say, you know, it's okay, it's okay, and we don't stand against it, we're part of it. You know, that's why when you go to a court of law, if someone was driving the vehicle when they robbed the convenience store and you didn't know they robbed the convenience store, you're still in trouble because you were driving the vehicle. You were a part of it. Sapphira had no idea what had happened. She would know that her husband told her, I'm going to tell him it was this much. And so she went and she said, yes, that was the price. She had no idea how wrong that was. You know, we will be judged and have the consequences of our own sins. Peter gave her a chance not to go the way of her husband, didn't he? Tell me, Sapphira, is this the price you paid? You were paid. He gave her a chance. All she had to do was say, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. We, we, had to, we had to have somebody to live off of, Peter. We, we, had to, we had some things we had to take care of. That wasn't the whole amount. She could have said that, and she would have been alive. She could have said it. And thing. You know, so many times we are more concerned with others and what they have or what they don't have than our personal walk with Jesus. So what happened in John 20, right? Peter's walking along with Jesus. Peter's already failed miserably, you know, in the garden the night before, or two nights before, whenever it was. And he's walking along, and he sees the disciples Jesus loved, and he said, what about him, Jesus? And Jesus says, what does that matter? What does it matter if I want him to stay until I come back? I've told you to do something. We get so wrapped up in what everybody else is doing. That's what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. That's why in... Chapter 4, at the very end there, it says, Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias and Sapphira probably didn't even want to sell their land, if you want to be truthful. They got jealous because Barnabas was getting some glory because he sold his field. 
and gave the money to the apostles. And Ananias said, you know what? <laughs> we could get that same kind of pat on the back. Let's sell our field and give them part of it and tell them this is what we sold it for. And keep part of it. We'll be good. Their greed, their dishonesty, their jealousy, that's how they ended up where they did. When we stand in front of God at the end of all of this, He's not going to ask us about somebody else's sins. He's not going to look at you and say, what about that thing your daddy did that many years? He, he's not going to ask you about that. He's not going to say, but what about your kid? I saw how they ended up. He's not going to say that. My, my vision of that day in heaven always has electronics. We're going to have a great big old LED TV. And God is going to flash parts of my life up there on the screen. Troy, why did you do this? And Jesus is going to say, no, Daddy, I covered that. I got it. I paid the price. But I think for me, the one that's going to hurt me the most when I get there, the thing that's going to just, just they say you're not going to cry in heaven, but I think I'm going to cry outside the gates. Because I'm going to stand there and God's going to say, why didn't you tell her about me? Why didn't you tell him about me? Jesus pays the price so we get in, but I'm still going to see those things. I'm still going to see the times that I, that I did not share the gospel when I should. When we stand in front of God, he's not going to say, your daddy, your mama, your sister, your brother. He's going to say, this is what you did. And either Jesus is going to say, I've got him covered, or he's going to say, I don't know him. That's the only two choices. There's no other choice. He's not going to say, well, I met him this one time at a camp, and, and, and he talked a little bit, but he never made the decision. He's not going to say that. He's going to say, he's mine or he's not. You know, this, I had a person call me one time and said, Troy, I don't know how to it was, um, well, I don't know how to tell people, but, but I'm kind of pregnant. You're not kind of pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You don't get kind of pregnant. You don't get halfway pregnant. You either get pregnant or you don't. You're either saved or you're not. And when you get there, that's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to say, he's mine or he's not. She's mine or she's not. Unless we're covered by the blood of Jesus, we're going to pay for our sins. That's the scary part. If you've been following along uh, in the mornings on our, our Bible readings and all the things that go along with the law, there's a whole lot of law there. There's a whole lot of law. I don't know how to keep the whole law. And that's what I'm going to be judged by when I get there. If I don't know Jesus, that's when God's going to say, okay, let's see how you kept up with the law. Oops, you missed number one. It's over. That's kind of it. It's done. We're going to be individually saved. Your mama can't save you. Your daddy can't save you. Your kids can't save you. Nobody can save you except for Jesus. And I don't know where you are this morning. You may be looking at me this morning like, this guy's a nut. Maybe I am. And I'm fine with that. I've been called worse in church. 
What I don't want is for anybody to leave this room not knowing that they belong to Jesus. Not having an intimate relationship with the one who can change your life. If the last three months have taught me anything, it's that we don't know anything about tomorrow. Right? I mean, you know. One day I'm supposed to wear a mask, the next day I'm not. One day I'm supposed to hold my breath for 24 hours, the next day I'm supposed to breathe for 48. I don't know. It's just weird stuff. I don't know what tomorrow holds. That's just the truth. If, any, if I take away anything, that's what I want to take away from it. I don't know. The world changes daily. And you never know what breath's going to be your last. This morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've never taken a step to make Him yours, you are still walking with the consequence of your sin. I've debated on whether or not I'm going to have an invitation for a week now. But, that's my invitation this morning. As we sing this final song, or as Barry sings this final song, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you don't know Jesus today, and you want to know him, please raise your hand and I will make note of it and I will, get, I will find you this week to make sure that you have that relationship. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that if anyone here does not know you as Savior, Father, that they would make that choice today. Father, it's, it's never hard. It's so simple. We just have to believe that you are the Savior. We have to believe, Jesus, that you came and died on this cross and as you rose again, and we have to confess you as our Lord. That's it. Father, if there's any need, make it known. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.